before we get into the acts of the <coughs> covenant renewal portion of the service, I want to say a few words over some scripture. And if you have a uh, Bible, you can turn over to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. <coughs> or you can also direct your attention up here to the screen. John 15, we're just going to be looking at a short little portion here, verses 1 through 8. Starting in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's the word of God for the people of God. Remaining in Christ. Remaining in Christ. That was the... Uh, the NIV, the New International Version that we all just read out of. That's the one you got sitting in front of your pews in front of you. That's the translation that I've got here. Remaining in Christ. In that version this morning, that word remain appears eight times. Surely it sticks out like a sore thumb to us as many times as that word is repeated. If you happen to have a different translation other than the NIV, you may have had the word abide. Or if you've grown up within the church, you maybe have heard these verses uh, said that way or quoted that way, abide in me, or as I abide, as, as, as I abide in him, abide with me. The idea of remaining in Christ or abiding in Christ, whatever word you want to use, is a common reminder throughout the Gospel of John. It's a common reminder and it is a common theme throughout John's Gospel. Really, it's the very foundation of how God's grace works through us, abiding, remaining. How God's grace works through us to enable us to love God, to enable us to love our neighbor as ourselves, simply remaining or abiding in Jesus. So what does that mean? What does it mean to abide? What does it mean that we abide in Jesus, that we remain in Christ? It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. It just means stay. Stay. Stay where you are. Stay grounded. Stay grounded in Jesus. Living in that constant state of awareness of the presence of God who is with us. Living in that constant awareness that Jesus is always with us. That our relationship with Christ never ends. Just stay. Stay. Abide. Remain in Christ. To abide in Christ is to follow his example follow his example of a life that is obedient to the will of God. Check out verses 4 and 5 again. Verses 4 and 5. 
Again, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from that, you can do nothing. Or apart from me, you can do nothing. What is this fruit that Christ is talking about? If we're remaining in Christ, he says, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, if you stay put... You're going to produce good fruit. What's this fruit that, that Christ is talking about? I would say it's a couple things. All of us have heard the fruit of the Spirit. I'm sure there's people, everybody in here, have probably attended church long enough. At some point, you've heard of the, what's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's that fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, among others. Paul says that those are attributes of a person or a community, a church, that are absolutely living in accordance with Jesus, those who are remaining in Jesus, those who are living in accordance with the will of God, the will of the Holy Spirit, people, churches, communities, who are simply doing what? Abiding, remaining, staying, staying grounded in Christ, in Christ alone. He who leads us in every single aspect of our lives. That's something I want to talk about more and more in the upcoming year. As I, as, as I just think that so many Christians don't get this. I think so many Christians don't get the fact that the gospel, that Jesus, that Christianity affects or should affect every single minute or big portion of our lives. That it's not just an hour on Sunday morning. It's not just gathering together and eating every now and then, which is very, very important. It's not just coming to a Sunday school class. It's about the way that we operate out there. It's about the way that we operate, number one, in our homes, with our families, in our workplaces, and throughout our community. It's the way that we think. It's the way that we speak. It's the way that we talk. It's the way that we act. Are we producing these fruits, for example, in our workplace? Are we showing love, patience, peace, joy, self-control? in our places that we work. If not, there's probably something we need, to, we need to start thinking about. Probably a good indication we're not staying. We're not remaining. We're not abiding in Christ. I would also say that that fruit that Jesus is talking about manifests itself through our willingness and or our, or, or our, and or our desire to follow Jesus in his teachings and his commandments. That's one thing, that's one reason I'm so, so excited that we're going to be going over the Sermon on the Mount on our, during our Wednesday night studies coming up. I think the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, reveals the character of God like nothing else in the Bible. It reveals the will of God like nothing else in the Bible. And it is our standard, I believe anyway, and I think that our tradition teaches this for our Christian morality, for our Christian ethics, and the way that we, again, move, operate throughout the world. So if I'm abiding in Christ, if I'm remaining, if I'm staying grounded, here's a good question to ask myself. Do I have the desire and or the willingness to follow these things that Jesus said that we should all be and do? What I tell you, y'all probably don't remember this. I told you one time that a guy by the name of Dallas Willard, somebody who, who I very much admire and, and have studied over the years, told us what a disciple was. And I'm sure y'all don't, don't remember this, but he simply said a, a disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in life is to be and do the things that Jesus said be and do. I think that's a great definition of what a Christian is, a great definition of what a disciple is. 
It's that simple, but yet it's not exactly easy. We'll get to that in a second. A Christian is someone grounded in Christ, remaining in Christ, who has decided the most important thing in life, in my home, in my school, in my workplace, in the community, is to be or to learn how to be and do the things that Christ said be and do. Sounds simple. Sounds simple. And again, y'all have heard me say that before. It sounds simple. Christianity is simple. But it is not easy. It is not easy for us. It goes against our sinful nature for one thing. And we also have to fight the sinful nature of other people and other groups out there in the, out there in the world. So it's not easy. Look back at, uh, at Jesus' metaphor that he uses in verse 1, 2, and 6 where he talks about pruning. Verse 1, he says, I'm the vine, I'm the true vine, my father is the gardener. This is the metaphor he uses. He cuts off, God cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Skip down to verse 6 regarding us. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Christianity is simple. Christianity is not easy. Let's talk about pruning. You'll see what I mean in just a second. Let's talk about that idea of pruning. I know a lot of you folks out here are gardeners, or at least you want to be gardeners. Pruning is painful. Is it not? Pruning is painful, especially if we're talking about us. If we're being pruned, it's especially painful. A lot of times. That's what makes Christianity not easy. Especially if we're talking about real spiritual growth, or if we're talking about real morphing, real change into Christ's likeness. It's not comfortable a lot of times to be pruned. A lot of times we don't want to be pruned. Cutting away those things that we like to hold on to a lot of times. Cutting away, pruning those attitudes, those desires, those attachments, those, those sins is what they are. Those sins that have brought us such a false sense of security for so long. Whatever that may be, and probably everybody in this room at one point or another has had them. Those things that we attach ourselves to because this gives me some kind of, some kind of security. Or at least I think it gives me some kind of security. Those things that outside of God, we believe, gives us that security blanket. But it doesn't. It's hard to let go of those things. It's hard to let Jesus prune us of those things. Sometimes we hold on to them for many, many years. If we're honest, we might even ask ourselves, is it worth it? Is it worth it letting go of these things? Is it worth letting go of these things that give me so much comfort? These things that give me so much security, these attitudes that I like to have. Is it worth all, all of that? Is it worth the effort? Well, Christ says it is. Christ says it is, and he says it exactly in this same chapter, just a few verses down. Chapter, or uh, verse 11, I think it is. So he goes through all this spiel about remaining in me, abiding in me, and bearing fruit. He talks about pruning, and if y'all, again can't overemphasize that. If y'all have ever been pruned <laughs> of something that you held on to or wanted to hold on to for a long, long time and just couldn't, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. So is it worth it? Verse 11, Jesus says, yeah, it's worth it. 
And this is why. Jesus says, I have told you all of this, all of this stuff about pruning and remaining. I've told you all of this. Why? So that my joy may be in you. You want joy in your life? There it is. I've told you all of this so that my joy will be in you and that your joy may be complete. We talked about joy last, was it last week, week before that? What did I tell you guys? What is the source of our joy? Right there, I said the same thing one, one or two weeks ago. What's the source of our joy? Jesus Christ is the source of our joy. What else did I tell you guys when we were talking about this? I told you that God cannot offer, God will not offer, and God cannot offer. Jesus will not offer, and God cannot offer us any sense of joy, any sense of comfort outside of himself, because outside of Jesus, that does not exist. Try as we might to seek our joy and our peace and our security through money, things, relationships, human relationships. Ain't going to happen, folks. Most people try to do that to the point that they die or they get too old and they realize that it was all for naught. Why do we remain in Christ? Well, I tell you all these things, Jesus says, so that you may have my joy, so that your joy will be completed. So, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. And I don't know about you guys, but I've experienced that to a great degree. And I want to continue it. I've been pruned of a lot of stuff. And I want God to keep on pruning me. And I want to do my best through the, whole, through the help of the Holy Spirit to remain, to abide, to stay. Because it does bring me joy. And it does bring me true comfort that I never was able to attain outside of Jesus. And I hope some of y'all have experienced that before as well. And if not, I hope you will very, 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 very soon. Here's the thing, though, folks. Going back to remaining, our spiritual lives, our, gen our lives in general, our lives in general will never become fruitful. They will never become fruitful as long as we're not walking alongside God. In other words, they will only become fruitful insofar as we are walking with God to make them so. Our spiritual lives will only become fruitful to the point or insofar as we are allowing or walking with God to make them so. As long as we remain in Christ, as long as we stay the course, as the Apostle, write, the Apostle Paul writes so many times. So with all this talk, all this stuff about remaining, abiding, staying, pruning, with all this talk, where are our lives? What do our lives reveal individually? Think about this. This is, this is my thought for you as we prepare to go into this covenant renewal service. Are we remaining in Christ? Are you remaining in Christ? What do our lives reveal about the condition of where we are in our relationship with Christ? What do our thoughts reveal about that? What do our words, what do our actions, what does the way that we operate outside of the walls of this sanctuary say? about where we are insofar as abiding or remaining in Christ. It's not that hard for us to, to determine, by the way. You can generally figure this out in about 30 seconds at tops. Are those fruits that we spoke about just a minute ago revealing themselves through me? Are those fruits that we just spoke about a few minutes ago operating through me? Am I embodying those fruits? Can people see those 
in the way that I move, in the way that I operate in the world? There's your answer right there. Am I remaining in Christ? There's a good way to determine that. How are those fruits working in my life? Sadly for a lot of Christians, they're not. Or at least they're not to the point where they could be. At least not to the point where they should be. The answer is, the answer is no. You know, we're not, we're, I'm not drawn. I don't have the true desire to follow Christ. These fruits are not displaying themselves in my heart, much less in, much less in my outward actions. And that's common. That's common. Look, let me be nasty for a minute. Look at our attendance these last couple of weeks. We put Christ on a back seat when it comes to importance. Other things become more important to us. We stop abiding in Christ. We stop remaining in Christ. Our jobs become more important. Our human relationships become more important. I'll say it. Our entertainment becomes more important than abiding in Christ and actually working with Him to produce and to be active in the mission that He calls us to be active in, which we call the kingdom of God. We get sidetracked by all these other aspects of our lives, all this stuff in God. Christ takes a backseat and becomes secondary instead of first. So our service, our covenant renewal service today is about recognizing this. Okay? Our covenant renewal service is about recognizing the fact that all of us, <laughs> to some degree or another, deal with this. All of us, to some degree or another, are not wholly abiding, are not wholly remaining in Christ. All of us have sin in our lives, all of us have shortcomings, all of us have areas where we struggle, and if we're really honest, there are certain times in our life where there are other things in our life that we do put ahead of God, and we recognize that today, and what we're going to do today is we're going to confess those things, we're going to confess these things to God, we're going to confess these shortcomings, these sins to God, we're going to do it in the presence of one another. We're going to do it in the presence, as always we always are, of God as well. We are going to recommit our lives to God. We are going to covenant with God. Committing our lives to Him. Committing to abiding in Christ. Committing to our church. This uh, particular service is... Historically, a part of the Methodist tradition. It was started about 300 years ago, so it's been around for a while. It was, it was one of John Wesley's uh, favorite services, and it's generally done on the closest the Sunday closest to January 1st. I've always enjoyed doing this service. I think this service is a very powerful one, or at least it has the ability to be very, very powerful. The language in the liturgy, to me, in my opinion, is very, very strong. You know, if we mean what we're saying, and I'm not, I'm not here to judge anybody. But here's what I'm, here's what I am going to ask you to do. Um, I want you to read the words. I want you to embrace the words that are that are in this as we go through it, because again, they're true for me. Nothing I'm telling you guys is, doesn't apply to me, by the way. 
Um, I would like you to take them seriously, not that you wouldn't, but I would act, actually that you would actually, you know, take in the full meaning of the words, take in the reality of the words. And uh, if your heart calls you to do so, I would hope that you would really embrace these words. And I hope that you, I would, I would pray it. I would hope that you would really pray these words from your heart and not just read them as, uh, as just something that we're doing by rote, for example. So some of you, I'm sure, have grabbed a paper pamphlet out there that had these has the service on it, and also it's up here on the screen if you want to follow along. And I just ask you to open up your heart to God. I ask you to spend this time being honest with yourself, being honest with God, and just opening up your hearts and your spirits and your minds to wherever He may lead you. Brothers and sisters, the Christian life is a life that is found in Christ, redeemed from sin and consecrated to God. We are those who have entered into this life, and we have been admitted into the new covenant of Jesus Christ, who sealed that covenant with his own blood so that it would last forever. There are times in our lives when it is important to remember and to reaffirm our promises and vows. In the same way, we come today to renew our covenant with God. Many generations have done this before us. Today we make that covenant our own, renewing with both joy and sincerity the covenant that binds us all to God. We are those who seek to live as true disciples of Jesus Christ, but sometimes we fall short. Let us now examine our lives before God, humbly confessing our sins and submitting our hearts so that we do not deceive ourselves or cut ourselves away from God. I'll pray with me. Father God, you have set forth the way of life through your Son, Jesus Christ. We shamefully confess that we have been slow to learn of him and have been reluctant to follow him. You have spoken and called to us, but we have not listened. You have stretched out your hands to us through our friends, but we have passed by them. We have accepted your gifts and offered little thanks. We are unworthy of your unchanging love. And we now confess to you our sins. Please forgive us for our poverty of our worship, for the selfishness of our prayers, for our inconsistency and our unbelief. Forgive us for the ways we neglect fellowship and your grace. Forgive us for our hesitation to tell others about Christ. And forgive us, God, for the ways that we deceive others. Forgive us for when we waste time and when we misuse the gifts you've given us. Forgive us for when we have made excuses for the wrong things we have done and when we have purposely avoided responsibility. Forgive us that we have been unwilling to overcome evil with good and that we have not been ready to carry our cross. Forgive us that we have not allowed your love to work through us to help others. Forgive us for those times when instead of working for unity, we made it hard for others to live with us because of our lack of forgiveness, our inconsiderate judgment, and our quick criticism. Forgive us for when we have not tried to reconcile with others 
and when we have been slow to seek redemption. Forgive us also for these sins that we silently confess to you now. Father of all mercies, is faithful to cleanse us from our sins and to restore us to Christ's image. Praise and glory be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us gather here before the Lord now in covenant, commit ourselves to Christ as his servants. Let us give ourselves to him so that we may fully belong to him. Jesus Christ, we offer you this prayer. Let me be your servant. Let me follow your commands. I will no longer follow my own desires. I give myself completely to your will. The power and the strength to live as true servants is given to us in Christ. We accept the place and work that he gives us, acknowledging that he alone will be our reward. I am not my own. I am yours alone. Make me into what you will. Rank me with those who you will. Put me to use for you. Put me to suffering for you. Let me be employed for you. Christ is Savior to those who are His true servants. He is the source of all salvation to those who obey. To be a servant is to consent fully to His will. Christ will be all in all, or He will be nothing. Now confirm this truth in Holy Covenant. Make it a reality in your life in these ways. First, set apart time in your day, more than once, to be spent alone with the Lord. Seek to perceive God's special care for you and gracious acceptance of you. Carefully think through the words of this covenant and its conditions. Examine your heart, even if you have freely given your life to Christ. Name the sins in your life. Reflect on whether you are willing to choose Christ's holy laws and his strict commands. Be sure you are clear in all of these so you do not lie to God. Second, uphold a spirit, a serious spirit, of holy awe and reverence. Third, claim God's covenant. Do not trust in your own strength and power, but rely upon God's promise, his promise of giving grace and strength. In this way, he will empower you to keep your promise. Fourth, be determined to be faithful. You've given your heart and your life to God. You've opened your mouth to dedicate yourself to the Lord. With God's power, never go back to your former way of living. And last, be prepared to renew your covenant with God. Fall on your knees, lift your hands, open your hearts. Let's pray together. My righteous God, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, see me now as I bow down before you. Forgive my unfaithfulness when I have not done your will. You promise mercy if I turn to you with my whole heart. God requires that you rid yourself of every idol in your life.
here and now renounce every idol in my life. By turning against your will, I have turned my love toward the world. In your power, I will watch for any temptation that will lead me away from you. Through Jesus Christ, God offers to be your God again if you allow him to be. Before all heaven and earth, I here and now acknowledge you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as my Lord and God. I vow to give all of myself, body and soul, to be your servant and to serve you in holiness and righteousness the days of my life. Christ has told you that you must suffer with me. Jesus, I here and now make this covenant with you. Accept whatever comes in life. Through your grace, I promise that neither life nor death separate me from you. God has given holy laws as the rule of your life. Here and now, take on your yoke and your burden. Your laws are holy, just, and good. I accept them as the rule for my words, thoughts, and actions, promising I will strive to order my whole life around your direction. Almighty God searches and knows us, even the thoughts of our hearts. O God, you know that we have made this covenant today in sincerity, without deceit or reluctance. If we find anything faults in us, guide us and help us to set it right. May this covenant that I have made here on earth ratified in heaven. And may our God, who establishes covenant relationships with those who seek to enter the kingdom, be with you always. May Jesus Christ, who seals the new covenant with his blood on the cross, bring you peace. And may the Holy Spirit guide your life both now and forever. Amen. And as you can see there at the bottom, there's a place for your name today's date. I'm not going to ask you guys to give those to me. <laughs> but I would encourage you to hold on to this. Again, I think that most of you probably agree that this is some pretty powerful language um, in this particular covenant. I would encourage you to break it, to hold on to it over the next year. Break it out every now and then and remind yourself of this. 